Under the Helmet. You do your thing, all right? Don't be nervous, okay? The show that looks at long-term player value in fantasy football. It's the moment right here. We're going to have to decide what, what type of team we want to be. Building Dynasties each and every week. I don't even know your name. What's your name? Chad Parsons. I'm telling you, man, you leading the league in hydration. I got a Dynasty team reaping rewards for the next decade. Katie Flower. You may beat me, but you will not outwork me. Tim Torch. There's only one winner, Chad. Find their written and premium audio content at uthdynasty.com. Playing it safe in Dynasty means you're going to lose. Stop talking about it, man. Let's get this going right now. Welcome to Under the Helmet, looking at some long-term player value in fantasy football. I'm your host, Chad Parsons, joined by Katie Flower, the official podcast of UTHDynasty.com, home to over 300 premium podcasts annually. And one of the new features, you can have those premium shows on any podcasting app you so desire. Haven't had one subscriber yet say, hey, you know, I'd like to use it on this one, but it doesn't seem like it's working. Uh, That has not been the case. So you get 12 months of membership. Some people have asked about that. So you can start now and it'll pretty much roll through your trade deadline next year. So the full off season, you can do startup drafts, rookie drafts, a bunch of trading. And then of course, we're gonna have you covered until this point next regular season as well. You can hear uh, Katie. We've got plans. We're going to talk some Devi. We always talk Devi in the off season as well. We go over our own rookie and Devi uh, uh, leagues that we're in together uh, for our drafts. We start talking about that in full uh, in you know January, February around. Uh, uh, we always talk about the All-American game and you know a lot of the, the things in that regard. And uh, again, our own strategy plans and how, how drafts transpired, profiles, all of that. So can't wait to talk uh, premium shows uh, in that regard. Plus, we have uh, one we just did a week ago doing a 2021 mock draft. Uh, so you can find that on the site as well as things like a Film Notes podcast I put out each and every Monday morning. So distilling all the things down from every game so you don't need to spend the countless hours I do watching every play of every game. We've got uh, Jordan McNamara does uh, running back roundup every single week in season. And we do uh, periodic shows where we go over every NFL depth chart at running back uh, to make sure you are covered at one of the most influential positions in all of fantasy and dynasty. And Katie, we're going to be talking uh, a common format now, which is super flex, getting premiums onto the quarterback position, becoming more and more commonplace. And uh, you've been doing uh, some deep dive in terms of some data. We've always had uh, really great conversations as well, because it's, even three, four years ago, it was becoming much more common. And, and still, there are inefficiencies because... The two, three, four of us for uh, for UTH, we get together and we, we talk about our own drafts or even execute our own together. And it seems like super flex startups are really one of the bigger places you can find inefficiencies in the marketplace. Absolutely. Uh, what sparked this idea for tonight's show was I saw on Twitter, somebody was offered Jalen Hurts straight up for Carson Wentz. And they, did, they declined. <laughs> And that to me is just mind-boggling. Well, why is it it mind-boggling? Because Jalen Hurts is not that great of a quarterback. And Carson Wentz has at least, even though people are mad at him, and, you know, uh, even though Philadelphia stinks this year, Wentz has at least done it in the NFL. He's been fantasy relevant. He does put up some good numbers, even though he's going through a slump right now. And... It's just Wentz is over that first hump, that first four years, five years in the NFL is surviving. 
it's surviving, right? It's learning can you, a lot. Can you get, the first hump is what? Keeping it, like, first of all, it's getting a job. Now, obviously, he was a high pick. So in this example, typically first rounders, specifically, you don't have to worry about, like, getting the job. You'll get the job. Then secondly, it's about, can you hold the job? It's like Seinfeld with the reservations. It's not so much taking the reservations. It's the holding of the reservation. So it's about getting the job. And then it's about keeping the job and keeping the job long enough so that you can do something with the job to warrant still having the job. So he's passed all those. And well, just to put in one thing I heard on a different podcast today, because Carson Wentz is kind of the, one of the, the talking point names, I'm sure, of this week or the past few weeks. And because a lot of people think the Eagles are, you know, basically, uh, you know, squandering this glorious opportunity because no one is stepping up in the NFC East. And now the Eagles are like the third favorite in the division or whatever. But that, that, that basically his contract is such like, oh, he's going to be the quarterback next year. Like this is not like they cannot get out of that contract for, you know, it, it may be a talking point in the 2022 offseason. That may be, so you have to assume that, that Jalen Hurts like replaces him outright or he gets hurt and Jalen Hurts is fantastic. So we're even talking the short term of, oh, okay, you think he's just going to lose the job. Well, what's going to happen for him to lose the job? Like, so, so anyway, continue. I just wanted to put a few of those things in that contract wise, he's not like, he's going nowhere. This is not something where January you're going to see him like he's horrible and now we're cutting him. He's definitely going through a, a really rough season. There's some reasons for that. Uh, then there's some that are obviously his fault. But, uh, but contract-wise and franchise quarterback-wise, there are a lot of, uh, of, of road bumps that, that make it so that this is not something that they can easily get out of. Absolutely. And let me ask you this before I get into some of the numbers. Sure. Um, I've put this out on Twitter before, but what would you consider – as far as a stud quarterback for, for your one, super flex for one, team for one year or a quote unquote long term no, asset in a startup. Sure. What are you looking for in a quote unquote stud quarterback? Okay. So the word stud. All right. So stud quarterback, I would say a guy that I would project to have at least three seasons in front of them. And I would project them, not that they finish this way, but in many seasons, they would have a really good chance to finish in the top five or six. I would consider, so I need to have that runway because they're going to be a stud asset, a stud acquisition for me. And they don't always cost a quote unquote stud price, but I would want that, that long range into the future so that they could be a core and anchor point for my roster and for my depth chart there. And I, again, I need to see impactful production or at least the promise of that even though obviously there's a lot of twists and turns where it's not really feasible to say you must do it every single year. You must be, you know, Peyton Manning or Drew Brees or Aaron Rodgers or, you know, there's select names that have actually done it pretty much every year during their, their, their prime window there. But those would be the, uh, the quick specs, I would say. Okay. And so a lot of people, when they say top five, they're thinking on the season or top five or six quarterback annually that's their season production and that while it may be well and good to compare I like to break it down into how many top five fantasy finishes per season that that player has had and there's only seven quarterbacks right now and I did the last seven years from 2014 until now including this year this year was only 11 games so far 
but how many top five finishes? And if you finished at 50% or higher, there's only seven quarterbacks wow. that are active to finish 50% or higher with a top five fantasy week. Okay. And one of them has repeated twice. Carson Wentz in his 2017 season had seven games, which is 44%, which is fairly close to that 50%. Yeah. So seven games where he was a top five fantasy quarterback. And for the most part, top 12 is a still a QB one. And for top 12, he's been over 50%. And in uh, one case, his 2017 season has been by far his best. He was at 63%. So as a QB one, so if you're going to draft a guy in the first couple of rounds of a startup draft and you're expecting a stud, just realize that's really hard to get. More guys are in that QB1 range of having a top 12 fantasy finish rather than top five. There's only seven guys in the last seven years <laughs> to have yeah. one season 50% of the time or higher. And one of them, everyone. And only one guy has done it twice. Can you guess the one guy who's done it twice in the last seven years? Two different seasons. Yes. All right. I am going to go two different seasons. The 50% is a high bar because I know how high variance quarterbacks are. And you really only need, you know, two, three, four stud games and the rest of the. I'm going to go. I'm right. I guess I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes. No, 50% of their games. No, I know. I, I just, yeah. I know 50% is a high bar. And, but, but what I'm and, saying and is. And that's on a 16 week. This is. No, a, I know. They can pop. What I mean is they can pop off for, oh, they were QB two this week and QB four this other week. And they can still kind of be in that mid QB one conversation for the season. But right. like you're saying, I mean, you can be a quote unquote high floor guy, but it's still. So the 50% in the top five, I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes, I guess. It was Russell Wilson. Mahomes okay. has done it once. Yeah. Okay. Wilson has done it twice. Right. And Wilson is the kind of quarterback. He's now 32 years old. He is the perfect value quarterback. This is the range you want to be looking for for your first starter in a Superflex, in my opinion. Don't go for the Joe Burrows. Don't go for the Tua Tunga Vailoas. Oh. You know, uh, Patrick Mahomes already has done it. At least get a quarterback that's done it. Kyler Murray has done it. And I would, I would be fine with taking him in the first couple of rounds. But you are better off, rather than wasting draft capital, trying to chase that dragon, trying to chase that, that unicorn. Because really, seven guys out of 32... Right. Well, we've done it. That's the thing. We, we've actually chased it before. I remember right. our we, first yeah. startup draft. I, well, yeah, it was long, long ago. And there were so many uh, Fugazis or Possibles or, you know, that were going in the first two, three rounds. And yet, I mean, there's so many that are available that have been there, done that, done everything. And I always find, you know, Russell Wilson right now is entering that perfect, perfect zone. And it's yes. like, it seems like once they get, you know, once they get to about 29, 30 years old, that er, yep, that you start early to get 30s. them discounted all the and it keeps getting worse. And, and I actually think a secondary zone that is like the prime opportunity to get super discounts is like 34, 35. Cause you could still project three, four, five years out of a guy. And yet now we're going to punish the guy severely for his age, but you get, 
I think it was a couple of years ago with Stafford. Now you've got Russell Wilson getting, you know, right in that meaty zone where you still don't have a, an outlook issue. You know, I mean, Russell Wilson, like, like this whole, like someone was really wanted uh, a co-owner and, and I to, to dump Aaron Rodgers in a super flex. And it's like, um, I, like, why should we be like really worried? Why should we be worried? We got to run from Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, is he going somewhere next year? Is he falling off? Is this a, a today's NFL one where quarterbacks can't play and play well into their? I mean, but like to run away. And please don't think that one, Jordan Love is any kind of threat to him. Yeah, but like you're, but but you're just running away. Like what I think one of the themes that we're already kind of centering on is the like you need to embrace these profiles, these consistent year over year. This is like the hardest job in sports. And, and yet a guy that can hold the job for five years, eight years, 10 years, and that's the point you want to start discounting him. If anything, that's the point you want to embrace the discount yourself via startup drafts and trading and, you know, potentially making moves, but on the acquisition side, not on the, I have to run for the Hills because he's on the older side. No, that means he's been there and seen everything. And, and that's actually a pro where to me, the riskiest guy, I mean, you mentioned Tua, that like scares the bejesus out of me. Yeah, <laughs> that, and he's, that people he's already are going to invest going, highly in him. And he's already going in the top two rounds of a startup draft. That is, yeah, that, that's mind blowing to me. I get it because we see it all the time. We see just like, you know, Joe Burrow, now we'll see with the injury, but Joe Burrow ahead of guys like Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson's always someone that, that Jordan brings up of like, you want to kick dirt on profiles. Like <laughs> you have your fun, but it's like him, Dak Prescott. I mean, there are a number of profiles. You're bound to get a discount on one of those guys going later than the rest, but to elevate guys that have never done it. And I guess you mentioned Kyler Murray in passing. Is Kyler Murray one that you say, he has done enough given the amount of time he has played to get over some of that benchmark. Now, here's the problem, though. I mean, if you don't have a high first, you really don't have to worry about it. So if you're not a, I'm going to take quarterback with my first pick and my first pick is early, you really don't have a Kyler Murray Superflex startup draft decision to make. Right. Um, last year, I would not do that for Kyler because he hadn't done it. He, right. he's and he was doing still it. going mid-first or something like that, yeah. Right, but he is doing it this year. Um, I would still rather have, if I can't get Mahomes first, if I don't have an early pick, I'm not going, I would rather wait and get like Russell Wilson yeah. or there's a lot of other options. But remember, Baker Mayfield is a perfect poster child for why you don't chase rookies. Derek so Carter, after his rookie season, after his rookie season, he was going in the top 12 top 15 of most super flex startups. Remember? Yeah. And we all, we all agreed that was an insane price. We liked him, but you want to talk about someone who's never done it. He's now been in the league for two and a half years, or I'm sorry. Yeah. Two and a half years. And in his first year, he's only had two times where he has been in the top five one in his first year and one in his second year. Two weeks of his whole two career? Two weeks where he's been top five <laughs> in fantasy points. So two weeks in his whole career, he's made a difference for you. And otherwise, he's basically, I'm not going to say holding a clipboard, but he's, you know, par for the course. He's posted a number. No, no, he, Chad, he's not even par for the course. Well, what I mean in, is in Superflex, listen, no, you started him and he's a starting quarterback and he posts no, a requisite number. That's what I mean. No. No? Because to be a QB1... 
If you if you draft a guy in the Correct. first oh, I got round or, or second round of a startup, you're yep. wanting at least somebody that's going to be in the top 12. Yep. And he's done that on average – 38% of the time was his best year. It's like five 38%, times only six starts that year. Yeah. And that was his rookie season. Then he went to four games, 25%. Right now he's at one game right. where he's a QB one. One out of he, nine or 10, yeah. Right. And so he's not even a QB two. He's not even a QB two. He's not right. even in the top 24. Well, Baker Mayfield is one. I, I specifically looked at his... Uh, I have a, a quarterback index that looks at these historical things. I'll just say this. The upside's not coming. Based on right. what, what he's done through three years, like no one turns it around and suddenly they're like considered a top five to eight guy. No At one. least Blake Bortles put up fantasy numbers. At least Jameis Winston put up fantasy well, he's not numbers. A runner. See what I, here, here's, the, here's the thing I always say with quarterbacks. I love this because this is like a Katie and Chad. We just kind of go yeah. off in directions and meander in the offseason. And we're finally, this is the first one all season. We just like, we're just like, oh, let's hit this thing. That, what do I always say? I say, if you want an elite fantasy quarterback, you, you have to have one of two things. Ideally, you got both. But both is a really tough thing to get. That you either need a big-time rusher, so we have some of those guys. You know, Kyler Murray, big-time rusher. Uh, Josh Allen is running around quite a bit. Now he's adding a lot of the passing. But so you have, you have to be an elite runner or, and, well, sorry, and a passable quarterback in some capacity throwing the ball. Or you have to be a diabolical, game-changing thrower of the football. So Patrick Mahomes, not really a runner. Yes, he's mobile. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a guy, you know, you know when you see it, Kyler Murray, Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, those types in terms of running. So, but Patrick Mahomes, diabolical passer. Aaron Rodgers, diabolical passer. Again, Breeze, Peyton Manning. You know it when you see it. So you either need one of those two things. Baker Mayfield, is he an elite runner? No. So he has one outlet. He has one way to get there elite passer and passing production not there and that so that's why if you're not so Derek Carr for example not a runner a lot there, there's plenty of guys that you know we you know we should have seen that are you going to be an elite thrower an elite passer consistently in your career because very few guys blend both like Dak Prescott good enough as a passer, add some rushing. Like it's a, it's, that's a really good combo. Russell Wilson, very good combo, but you would say elite passer and he adds something rushing. So you have to look at that simple equation and man, if they don't add the, the, the rushing and then you have any quibbles about them as a passer, I, I mean, you have to be very careful how you value that. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> it was interesting too, because as I was putting this together, I was listening to NFL Network and they were talking about quarterbacks who, once they change teams and get that second chance, they, they have their career blossom after the age of 30. And a lot of that is because it does take time to learn the game in the NFL game. They're so much different from the college game. There was, um, and so guys like Ryan Tannehill, He's now with a different team, but he's, a, he's completely different than he was in Miami. He's yeah. also at that 32-year-old perfect. He's the perfect guy to wait for and get mid-round. Mid 
Well, he's not going to put up flashy numbers. He can put up top five numbers, but not as frequently. But you don't have the same price. You're talking fourth or fifth or sixth round startup price on a guy like him compared to a first or second round startup price for somebody else that may never make it there. Um, and, and guys like uh, Drew Brees even didn't start really putting up numbers until he was with his second team. Well, you're specifically saying 30 plus, but I would, I would soften it slightly, but I would say this. Generally, quarterbacks start hitting their peak in their mid to later 20s. And so you need to give them time. They need to see stuff. I mean, it, 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 it's such a difficult position and transition that, yes, you would all like a guy to come in and just transcend things. And all of a sudden, you know, they get it. They're one of the best. It just doesn't happen very much. And you need those reps, guys. but you got to hold that job. You got to hold the job yeah. or like you said, maybe transitioning to another team or, but, but you need that patience factor so that you can actually blossom and grow and cultivate con- sustained and consistent success. Is there a quarterback that like, as you were putting together some of these numbers that someone that has a lot of cachet and I'm not talking about a guy that's been in the league, like this is their rookie year or they've made like, you know, 16 starts or something like that. But was there a quarterback where you're like, like dynasty or fantasy bails this guy out, whether it's name value or, but it's like, look at Baker Mayfield, maybe one of them or the answer to, to the question here for you. But was there a guy where you're just like, huh? Like he is universally like applauded and valued. And yet, he just does not put up the weeks that I think everyone thinks that he does or should based on how most value him. I hadn't gotten that far yet okay. in my, in my study of, of the numbers. Um, okay. Well, Mayfield, I, you outlined the case for Mayfield, especially going back when he was, when he was high, high up there that, you know, he at that point was a risk and you see sort of with that risk, how it, how it transpired. Well, and I think that Jimmy Garoppolo for a lot of, just because he was young when he finally took over in San Francisco, he was the QB eight that year and he had zero times where he was a top five. <laughs> he only had one time as a top 12 and then he had three times as a top 24. So the rest of the time he wasn't even startable. It seems like and he then finally he, took he to this year with Garoppolo until people kind of awoke and it seems like finally his value is taking a, uh, a warranted hit. It's right. Like Cause he went from up. eight in 2018 to QB 16, which is still not a far enough drop. Now <laughs> right. he's at QB 21 and that's still, I, I, I still wouldn't, you couldn't pay me to take Jimmy Garoppolo in a, in a super flex. Yeah. I mean, one just kind of combing through, you know, the typical, you know, be careful how high you value him or where does he place in terms of your super flex hierarchy? Uh, just kind of looking through some of this and passing, but Jared Goff looks like he might be one of them in that he doesn't provide as much. He's more of the classic high floor, low ceiling guy, which kind of goes with the NFL kind of take on him. I've heard Greg Gosell yeah. talk about him a number of times as saying system guy. Now the system is great. So I don't like, well, that, that's the interesting part. So paired with Sean McVay, great system there. And, but if you're isolating traits and sort of isolating how much he elevates offenses, you have to question that, but he's locked in Sean McVay, you would think is locked in. And there's a lot of positives within his situation that you wouldn't really think is going to be too much, you know, too much liquidity there. 
So that, he's an interesting one in terms of he's on the younger side and there's tons of positives, but if you just isolate him, you would say definitely more elevated by the system than a strong traits and tools guy himself. Yeah, absolutely. So, especially fantasy wise. So. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, so is, is there any other final points in terms of, you know, keys that you would have coming away from this just in your starting to digest this, this, uh, this study that you've been doing? Well, just, I know that a lot of people think that they've got to get a young quarterback in the first two or three rounds, or, or when it comes to rookie drafts, you look at this year, Joe Burrow was consistently going ahead of Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre oh, Swift okay. and, you know, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He was going at the 101, and sometimes Tua was going 102 to 104. The value in a rookie draft seems to be that third or fourth quarterback off the board in the 110 to 204, 205, just the waiting. Because, you know, two years ago, you could have got Lamar Jackson there. Uh, This year, you could have got Justin Herbert there. Uh, Especially the guys that I would say this, like from what I've looked at, the first half of the NFL round one order, so the top 16, and again, a lot of times, you know, do you really get a quarterback very often at 12, 13, 15? Like, so what we mean, though, is especially when you have a good class where you have three, four guys go in the top 10, that's really an optimal point where are you going to see four quarterbacks go in the top seven of a super flex or two quarterback? Probably not. And so, because they're going to gravitate towards the wide receiver one and the running back one and two and all this stuff. So that's why the Josh Allen or Herbert, uh, those types. And yes, you can, you can roll, you know, I mean, now Dwayne Haskins is a special case because there's a lot of talk, you know, oh, he would have fallen to the second round. And like, so he really wasn't considered up there with the others. And Daniel Jones was another one. We didn't know where he was. Well, neither was Josh Allen and even Justin Herbert. Well, they they went top eight to 10. Well, what I mean though, is when you actually go 15 or 16, something like that. So use your judgment, but typically I like what you're saying, I think is completely accurate because there's a number of classes where late first, even early second of a rookie draft, you can get that QB three or four or five, and yet they still have good pedigree within the NFL ecosystem. And that's really because the odds don't shift a lot between 102 overall in the NFL draft versus 110 or 112. The odds aren't very different historically speaking. So if you can get an arbitrage of similar odds, but yet someone paid 102 or 103 and you paid 110, that's a huge opportunity to just say, to just be agnostic and go, you know what? Yeah, I probably do like that other guy a little bit better, but do I like him enough to have to pay to move from 110 to 102 costs what? I mean, it could cost a future first. It could cost a future first and a second, uh, a, a core level player to you. Definitely not worth the sticker price to make that move. And then if you say, well, I can get that by moving down, that's where we're really cooking with gas. Or take that pick at the 110 to 204, 205 range, wherever that it may be. And instead of taking a shot on the Dwayne Haskins and the Josh Allens and all the other guys, because really how often mm-hmm. do you hit on that and trade it for an Aaron Rodgers or who's the somebody... undervalued stud of the season. Exactly. Who, yeah, exactly. Who's coming um, up. Somebody... Can you, can you play devil's advocate and play the Jimmy Joe marketplace here? So why this last off season was Aaron Rodgers pounded into the, into oblivion and dirt. Why give me, give me the low level general consensus reason for that. 
He was 30, 35 or 36. He was 36. I can't his birthday is. Okay, he so was 36. They drafted um, Jordan Love. The fact that they traded up to draft Jordan Love, I think, was part of it. Okay. And anybody that's watched Jordan Love, I mean, Jordan Love had his Debbie following. It's Patrick Mahomes. A lot. There were times when he looked really good in college, but I was never that impressed with him. Seeing him at the Senior Bowl did not change my mind about him a bit. But Aaron Rodgers last year had four games where he was top five, five games where he was top 12, and 12 games out of 16 where he was in the top 24. So there, there were four games where That he, sounds not great he, for him, though. Like, if right, you exactly. Where it, he wasn't, came from, yeah. it wasn't one of his greater Poor years. And between that and then them trading up for Jordan Love, I think that, that hit his value. The fact that he's 36, going on 37 – uh yeah just okay. and they didn't get him a weapon right i mean the talk was right well, you didn't even exactly. get him a wide they, receiver they got another running really back that he seems to be making, use he seems to be making his own weapons like robert tanyan do you think he'd be a thing somewhere else like you know marcus valdez scanling that guy is so inconsistent but yet rogers keeps putting it right to him uh yeah. alan lazard i mean he's making a lot of these ancillary weapons that frankly i mean are baseline-ish Right. Okay. So, well, and the fact that I, I remember one of the things was he threw like 25 touchdown passes or fewer in 18 and 19, but yet you look at that and you're like, the dude had like 49 touchdowns total, like five picks. I remember that was my go-to thing. It was like, yeah, right. let's rub dirt on this guy. He's got like a 10 to one ratio. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so it seems like the age and it's like at, in their mid thirties or beyond as a quarterback, you have zero wiggle room which is what, what Tom Brady was done, right? That was the common adage coming out of New England is that, well, he's done. Exactly. He's damaged good. He's horrible. And you've got people this year still saying those things about Tom Brady. And yet he's been top 12 over half the time. And I'm looking at your numbers. I mean, and he's had three top five finishes for a guy that's been left like a car high on the side of the road, startup wise. Right. I mean, this next off, I mean, this last off season, he was he was one of the last start quote unquote starting quarterbacks taken. So I just and yeah, he's still a value. Um, he's going to be even. He's going to go at least that cheap this next year, right? I mean, so I just oh, it does feel quarterback and superflex feels like one of the most exploitable things, and all you really have to do is keep your eyes open. Like you, you have to be keep your eyes open, and but not get blinded by the flash. Right. I mean, you can't get the razzle dazzle. It's almost like a card trick, right? All the shine, all the hand movements, but you know what? You gotta, you gotta keep your eye on what's actually happening, right? Not all the smoke mirrors and and bright lights. Well, and this is a good time of year. If you've got a young quarterback, not necessarily Herbert, because I think that he's already been a top five for the, well, well, it's uh, here and gone. The price point though is here and gone. So. Right, but if you hit on what I'm saying is if you got a guy like Herbert in your rookie draft or even Tua and anybody is coming shopping for him to be able to get a guy that's even a Ben Roethlisberger a, a guy like him and then plus something and maybe it's plus a first round pick or well, I think plus a, a player that, that was I mean what well, I think, I mean, if you were going, you can get better than Roethlisberger. No, 
not to like, I, I, yeah, yeah. But that I was talking but, more for but, Tua than I was for her. Oh, okay. Purpose. Well, I still think with Tua, I mean, you can probably aim higher than, than Ben Roethlisberger, but that type is what you're saying, right? Right. That middle, right. The middle, anywhere from 30, like I would take Ryan Tannehill plus. Tannehill, Matt Ryan, Stafford, yep. all of these types that they, they've done it for a decade. They've done it for six, seven years. Uh, Tannehill's probably in that zone. Yeah. So, but, but again, guys that, the job security is, is, is pretty stable. And again, the track record, definitely stable. When, I mean, again, I, I think, tell me if this is right, because I think this, is, this was one of my weaknesses five years ago, let's say, was to try to be the smartest guy in the room. That if you get on board a guy, now, <laughs> I mean, again, if you, with your second round pick, get Tua, I mean, you're, it's already priced into the, you better be right. So uh, there's actually more downside than upside there. But in general, it's like, well, I want to have the next greatest before they're actually producing like the next greatest. That's the exact risk pro- portfolio there. That w- to, right. before someone's actually done it, it's risky. So you want to know, and quarterback, inherently risky to project someone as the next, the next great thing. And you better reserve that title and that price point and that investment level for someone because I remember we talked about, you know, in, in, uh, in Debbie, you know, Trevor Lawrence, we drafted together Trevor Lawrence. Uh, it was what, not 2020 off season, but 2019, correct? And right. But we got a really good discount. Well, well yeah, well, well, we got a discount because the dude was still in college and he still had a college season to go before he could be. So we had, uh, no. So I guess he had just played his freshman year, right? So he had right. yet to play his 2019 college season. Right, right. right. But, but that was, again, we were making a rare, historically rare exception, but we still got him, I think, in the fifth or sixth round or something. It was a sixth. It was sixth, a sixth round. Sixth round. Well, and we were not even thinking we were going to get a crack at him when he fell to a point where we were like, okay, we'll take him. This is, a, this is a very palatable point, and now he'll go, what, second round? If we were doing a startup draft with rookies in there in January, Lawrence would go, what, top couple rounds, right? So. Right. Okay. So just but, yeah, but but Debbie works the same way. You need to be careful about how much you pay specifically, and then what players actually warrant being even quasi aggressive with. Right, and Joe Burrow before his injury, um, he's had one top five finish this year, three in the top twelve as a QB one, and eight games as a top twenty four. So mm-hmm. QB two more often he's been a QB two, and I've said this on other podcasts when I've well, invested- and, that's tip- and that's typical for the for the record of a number one overall drafted quarterback that plays as a rookie. What he's doing is pretty typical. I said the a- the average seasonal finish is quarterback twenty three for those guys. I don't think that even after a couple more years shake out, he from watching him does not strike me as a Patrick Mahomes or a Kyler Murray type Uh-oh. guy well, or is he even elite, a Russell wait, Wilson. Well, hold on. Is he, is he an elite runner? Let's, let's do the, the quick, the quick tape right. here. Is he an elite runner? No, no, he's mobile, but he's not elite. He's mobile. Is he going to be even a, I haven't actually looked at what his pat is rushing is for the season. Is he going to be a sustained 300 plus yard rushing guy per season? I don't even know what pace he's on. Right I, I don't know where he's at right now, but I okay. don't think but, so. Well, yeah. So, so maybe he, he gets close to that. Maybe. So then we're left with one thing, which is he has to be a diabolically 
elite passing quarterback. That's all that's left. That's the last thing we got. So <laughs> that to me, so yeah, he has 142 yards in 10 games. And I guess that includes the partial, uh, which was a little more than a half. But yeah. so he was on pace for less than 300. So he, he has to be sort of, and that's sort of Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson in their primes. Those were the numbers. So again, expecting elite. Now, it's a good transition. So he was injured this past week. And there's, there's been conflicting reports on, you know, oh, he, he's, he's going to be like pup, you know, next year. Or next year's a question. And then there's other people saying he should be on track to be capable of playing week one. Now, if they want to be really careful, uh, he's, you know, definitely not going to be, I, I, I remember the Dr. Chow, he's definitely not going to be 100%, but quarterback 100% is not required. I mean, you can play with a brace, you can play um, not 100% where you're still way better than any other option the team has. Um, but how much do you think, so if he was a, let's call him a later first or early second round startup pick uh, before this, how much do you think the injury will come into play for folks uh, drafting in the off season. I think it's going to drop him down at least two or three picks. Okay. So maybe one to two or two or three quarterback spots, two, two to three quarterback spots. Okay. Yeah. All right. And do you think that is fair? Unfair? Uh, is that, is that appropriate for someone with a major knee injury? And then again, the, does he play week one or week four or week seven? that should be relatively immaterial. The actual what game he is back next year is, is not a meaningful part of the do you draft him or not draft him or whatever. I think that Joe Burrow, and this is what I was going to say earlier, is at the end of the day is going to be average Joe when it comes to fantasy production for his overall career. He's just going to be an average guy. He's not going to be a Patrick Mahomes, light it up, type guy. He will be better for his football team. He's got leadership and he's, he's already shown some ability to come back. And I like that. He's got moxie. I'll give him that. But I think that wherever he goes, if he goes in the, in the top three rounds of a startup draft, that's way too early. Okay. And I think well, he and will. He's, and, he, and he's going to. So that's right. Now, I now here's he the will. thing though, but if you level off it, like it probably isn't going to be this next season. But the the season after that is when that's when people will really, if that occurs and he doesn't take big leaps forward and keep in mind. So next year is going to be one where how's the transition after his injury? Is that going to be something that limits his rushing and, you know, does some things that will affect his final stat line, but we're, we're going to be talking about progression. We're going to be talking about tracking him for taking that big step forward. And frankly, if you're drafting a guy in the first couple rounds, you need to see a big step forward. And so if you don't see it, that's when you're going to see him fall down to maybe round four. And then the year after that, if he doesn't take the step forward again, then it turns into round six or seven. So that's sort of the progression. If you don't elevate your game and uh, I just, so yeah, that's, that's going to be the big part is taking a quarterback highly if you take one that hasn't been there and done that and basically has already done what you are betting that he will do, it's a big leap of faith. It's a heavy risk. And considering the format and how when you have quarterbacks up there, it means other players at other positions go a little lower 
taking a quarterback whenever you do becomes a higher leverage decision when you, you know, round one, two, three. It's not high leverage when you take a quarterback in round six or seven in Superflex. It's right. not. Because you're taking one after 20 have already been drafted and you're taking the best bets you can within that, but it's low stakes. It's low stakes and there's minimal, I mean, you're almost drafting a guy that the, the, the league is saying to you, oh, we think in two years this guy won't, won't even have a job, you know, because, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of drafting him at a point where there's not a lot of allegiance and, and flexibility with other positions beyond a couple of seasons. Um, but you have upside from there if they let someone go. Like we were saying Aaron Rodgers in round six this past offseason regularly, but yet, I mean, you're getting a guy that is uh, pacing a number that, that were drafted ahead of him. And now, again, every season you get is gravy with guys like that. Yep. And the, the prime spot is after that first contract or, as you, as you mentioned, the 28, 29, and even, even getting guys that are 32, 33, they still have yep. a, at least those three years, if not six years, left. And they're tremendously undervalued every season. There's always going to be a handful of quarterbacks yep. that get undervalued. That fade all the, the way point- around six or seven. Yeah. Exactly. And then you, you either exploit that by trading back in the first couple rounds and knowing that you're going to get your first quarterback in round six, round seven, round eight, somewhere in there. And you're going to be fine with two or three guys in that same similar range, but by trading back and getting extra picks, now you can put that into the position. You can get your, your core built. Um, I'm, I'm fine waiting at quarterback, even in super flex. Yeah. And it seems, and it seems like that is one of the most exploitable strategies is, is waiting on quarterback and super flex. If you don't get a glaring look at someone that absolutely fits that every, is a one of these benchmarks. And even there, like I remember you actually told me, ah, was it two years ago now where I didn't have a, um, you know, I tried to trade out of, I think it was 101, 101 right. or 102. I can't remember. And, and it was just like, you almost had to like, I was, uh, you know, I don't know what to, you know, I, I really didn't, I was like, I'm not an early quarterback guy. And so I was on the fence. Don't know if I would have taken him without you kind of pushing me and you go, you know, just take Patrick Mahomes. Like he's insulated. Uh, you're looking for, you know, a long runway, an impactful runway. It is a premium position. And, you know, you might feel like you're losing value, but uh, you know, you tried to trade down, you couldn't do it. Here you are. You got to make a pick. You got to make a player. And I've taken Mahomes, and you know what? I've been competitive, um, even though I'm still building up other parts of my team. And you know what? He's young enough. He's still there for me. So when I'm ready, when the rest of my team is ready, I got that stud quarterback, and, and he's going to be ready for me too. So it's not like you can say, ah, I'd rather pick this or trade down for this. But uh, if you are in the high first, again, Patrick Mahomes, he's sort of the, the, the pinnacle and the, the oracle profile of you know, system, talent, upside, been there, seen it, uh, already produced it. And, uh, you know, I mean, foreseeable future, you know, other than injury, what's kind of changing, you know, in his world. And the answer is not a ton. The and he even is his oyster. Yeah. And he even signed, you know, early ish, you know, to a new deal. And, and a lot of people think he sold himself short. 
uh, from listening to a lot of, you know, the, uh, the business of sports and, and, and all of those types of views on his deal, that it actually is relatively team friendly. <laughs> you know, when you look out at the, the longevity of it and what those numbers uh, could look like uh, that prism. Uh, let's go uh, quickly here to finish the show on the UTH best ball contest. And, uh, you know, I, I'm going to gloss over. I actually took it down in week 11, barely, narrowly won. Um, so I'll just go quickly. I mean, I, I got Keenan Allen, one of my favorites. Uh, love watching him. Derek Carr uh, was an underrated guy in the contest this year. Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, hopefully, I mean, I have Bridgewater and Minshew out. So it really was the perfect storm for my two quarterbacks this past week. Um, hopefully Minshew is back under center to give me another uh, live body and chance. And Bridgewater might even be playing this week. Uh, we'll see, but, but should be back soon. So that would help me out. Uh, Antonio Gibson, he's been a, a quality find for me. Carlos Hyde back in with a, a clear start without uh, Chris Carson there. So, so I take it down. Do want to give a shout out to number two, which is uh, DeLon Thornhill uh, in the contest. And Katie, we're rubbing elbows. It's me and you. Uh, I'm, I'm within spitting distance, uh, but it is uh, two UTH uh, admin folks here. Number one, number two spots. I finally got over narrowly by fractions over Andy Rizzo. You hear that, Andy? Uh, coming for you and already passed you. So let's see how it goes over the last few weeks. And we've got a competitive top of the board. Uh, the top four are all within about 50 points. And uh, we've got Andy Rizzo at three. You are at the top spot at one. Uh, Bartholomew is at four. Andrew Callio is at five. So uh, again, packed and we've got a, a race to the finish over the final month here. I got a little bit of breathing room though. I've had a two point oh, lead. It? Yeah, it's been okay. a two point lead over We're Andy Rizzo you, or... Uh, Andrew Callio, and they both had bad weeks this week. So we yes, you. you're rising and that's awesome, but catch <laughs> me if you can. Let's get it. Let's get it. <laughs> and, and you know what? Top two spots and uh, we're not getting any help. Jordan, Tim, it's not happening this year. Maybe next well, year. All right. Uh, so for Katie Flower at FF underscore Skylar 399, I am at Chad Parsons NFL. Reminder to support the show, get bonus content over at patreon.com slash UTH instead of a bunch of advertising and become a general manager plus subscriber. You won't regret it. Money back guarantee. Be with us for the entire NFL draft season in 2021, startup draft season, and have your best team build, best rookie draft season, and best dynasty season yet in 2021. And still get some stash advice and a bunch of stuff to close out the season by signing up this week at UTHDynasty.com. So for Katie, happy Thanksgiving, Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay healthy, stay safe. Until next week, never settle, refuse to be average, and keep building those dynasties.